Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. You know what that means? You are listening to the Mystery of Parenthood, and please do slow down for a moment and um, and join us as we um, talk about great things Catholic, great things parenting, and um, we just ask that we, you would um, take a little time and listen. And we'll begin with our prayer to help us slow down. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials which, through which some, our family sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II. Please pray for us. Uh, uh, if you caught a little bit of chuckle in the middle of the, of the thing, what what really made me chuckle was something got in in front of me reading it, and the minute I was reading the prayer, I stumbled more once I actually cleared the way to read the prayer. So, <laughs> so a little uh, self emasculation. Just <laughs> go with our pre our pre show talk. But anyway, you're joining us here, and um, I am. Honored to be in the presence of of Thaddeus, particularly following the birth of number hey, five, right? Thank you very much, Trey. But let's yeah. just—I want to drive home for all of our listeners. Any honor that I would be uh, having is only vicarious through my wife, who did That's an right. absolutely amazing job. Of course, she delivered our fifth baby, all natural completely yeah. with no um, no epidural or any kind of um, wow. chemical you know, support God. or intervention. Robin, you're awesome. I was so proud of her. Man. No, yep. You're awesome. Amazing so, woman. Yeah. And she is, she's at home uh, right now, um, you know, nursing and caring for that new baby girl who, as of this recording, in true Romansky style, my little family, does not have a name yet. All right. <laughs> You got it. All right. So we're That's about perfect. We're coming up on 48 hours since the baby's birth, and uh, just don't want to pull the trigger on that name. That's fine. Oh, That's awesome. So. That's great. Speaking of speaking of Romansky family tradition, we we're we're joined by Adam Earhart, a regular on the show, and we are going to talk about um, tradition. Yes, so that, yes, we that, are. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe we'll actually get a little insight into the. That or maybe not. I don't know. I'm not going to impose. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what's to come? <laughs> what's going to happen here? But Adam, welcome aboard again. We're Thank glad you. you're here. Thank you. I know you're. I'm you're, glad to be here. You got one. You got a baby in the not too yeah. distant future too. So yeah, October first, building up. This All kingdom, right, building up God's kingdom here. All right, amen. Here amen. That's awesome. And I'm I'm at the tail end of. I mean, I'm a, I'm one year from all of my kids being somewhere else. So, uh, anyway, uh, that, that's just, it's got to be, uh, it's crazy. I mean, it really is hard I mean, to grab. Your they head. picked up, their, they picked up, their, they picked up their schedules, uh, for their senior year. I mean, wow. we're doing college applications. So this is a whole wow. different time. So this is the first, <laughs> now you're in the first of the last cycle. This is the first, Absolutely. this is their last, um, pick, pick up their schedule last time. Yeah. It's going to be the last first day of, right school from home wow. you know right. everything's gonna be last so i imagine the tears will ramp up but anyway yeah. 
I am. Uh, but Stephanie will still be strong. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, no, I. Yeah, I'm the crier in the family. <laughs> Stephanie, Stephanie's tough as nails. Tough as nails. You're not, you're not alone, Trey. You're not alone, Trey. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm. I'm. A, I'm weepy too. I'm very weepy. Uh, that's a tradition. It's a tradition. Hey, hey. <laughs> Men who we, but we're that we're not going to talk about that. We mm-hmm. talked about maybe talking about that, but we're going to talk about tradition today. <laughs> <laughs> so, Adam, tell the people yes, why why do we keep making these oblique references to tradition? Well, I, I think just to kind of bring it to a, a clear point is that we as parents um, have a, a ton to give to our to our kids. And to our family. And I think sometimes a lot of what we have to offer, what we have to give can be, uh, you know, not taken away necessarily, but there's a lot of cultural things that are vying for our kids' attention and, and right. uh, things that uh, they can, they can always go to, to be informed about you know, pop culture and things like this. But, you know, what is it, what is our role as parents and what is the role of a family to be able to like pass down beautiful, cherished uh, treasures that come to us from our ancestors, from our heritage, and from the church. Right. And so this idea of, like, we have this beautiful opportunity, this challenging opportunity, but a beautiful one nonetheless, where we have so much to offer our children. They have so much to receive from us. Mm-hmm. And how can we take take that as part of our mission as parents it, and members of the church? Yeah, and, and as I was looking at, at, your, at your copious notes that we're going to be talking from— spot on and they fit exactly into kind of what the framework of the mystery of parenthood is which is that the family is meant to be well as the church says it's the domestic church so most Mm -hmm. things that we can say about the church most certainly generalities about the church um rituals traditions those type of things should be things that both in terms of passing on what the church teaches within the family but also the traditions that are unique to our own families are all mm-hmm. um, us reflecting the church and that's part of the mystery. Yeah. So I just, in terms of yeah. framing it, it fits perfectly into kind of what we've been talking about for the, for years here. So yeah. And, excited. I, and I think, yeah, and I think that it's a beautiful thing to talk about because as Catholics, we're always kind of, um, we talk about tradition a lot and sometimes we talk about it always in like this apologetic standpoint, you know, like uh, we, we were the, we're the Christians that have this tradition and that, you know, I know like the Orthodox and other uh, Christian uh, traditions have, have strong, uh, um, strong understandings of tradition in their own back in their own background. But largely I think as Catholics, we're always kind of like, Oh, well, you know, traditions, you know, not, it's from scripture, but it's not scripture. And this is kind of weird uh, middle ground of like, how do we even feel about our own tradition? And, um, it's something that's so important and so beautiful. And that, that's something I think, hopefully this conversation obviously won't be exhaustive, but hopefully this conversation can at least, uh, you know, start to point us to the, to the gift that tradition is. And like you were mentioning the family and the church. And I guess like that would be the first distinction to make is when we talk about tradition, often we talk about sacred tradition, tradition, which is, you know, a, a deposit of the faith. Like it's, it's part of how God decides to, has chosen to reveal himself to the world, right? Through yep. through the church, through, through Jesus Christ, namely, but through his teaching and through the apostles and their teaching and uh, their successors. And so there's this oral tradition which comes um, out of Jesus' mouth, really, and passes on to the apostles, and they pass it on to their successors. And we have these the written works of the New Testament that come out and form the canon of the New Testament, but um, what's beautiful is that this is a very scriptural thing, and we see it in scripture, and it's there, and it's not it's not something that's a scriptural. It's a different kind of form, right? It's not written down necessarily, but it is this, it's it's the same substance and content. It is the one word of God. It's not right. it's not an addendum. And it's, it's and not it, something. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I'm just I I, I want to point out to people that are listening as Catholics. You know, we we have a certain definition we give to tradition like you know like the aggies have certain traditions and the longhorns right. have certain traditions they do we don't mi- <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started <laughs> <laughs> all right sorry sorry, sorry. that was a cheap shot that was a cheap shot but uh but but i guess what i'm saying is is that it's in my family has certain traditions those are those are 
man-made. I know we're going to talk about that later, but I think I think it's important to remember that as as Christians, we believe that tradition is what the apostles taught and then handed down. Which mm-hmm. I'm just echoing what you already said. I'm not I'm not to try to kill it, but but to make sure that people understand that that is no less uh, God's revelation of Himself than say the Bible. The the right. It's part of it's part of who of what He has revealed. And historically, I mean, without getting into it, I mean, the the Bible wasn't compiled until centuries later. I mean, these letters were floating mm-hmm. around um, and going from church to church, and they were compiled. And the first, the young, the youngest Bible um, book <laughs> is about thirty three years after Jesus died. So, I mean, I was mm-hmm. telling the kids, think about it. I mean, thirty years ago. Y'all didn't exist. 30 years ago, I was in college. I mean, goodness gracious, see, that's just how old I am. But, but my point hey, is... Let's is not even get into that. I have a hard time remembering. We would just went to go see if we could find where my grandmother's buried. I was at the site when she was buried 21 years ago. And 21 wow. years ago, I could remember generally where it was, but I couldn't remember specifically where it was. I mean, it was like a vague memory. So 30 years is a long time, and if mm-hmm. we didn't know and couldn't trust that the tradition that was being passed on via the church and the Holy Spirit, it, it, highly unlikely that we could count on the truth mm. <laughs> if it wasn't right. for that. So that big T tradition yeah, that, that is the church is, is, is divine revelation, yeah. right? And then these yeah. other traditions, while not necessarily bad, are not what people they tend to be lumped together. I guess is my point. A lot of Protestants yeah, point to do. the traditions. They tend to say if it's tradition, it's it's not divine, right? Right. Is it right? And that's exactly the point that um, I think it starts to at least color, if not you know, influence entirely our own perception of of tradition because now we approach it as something to be. Uh, wary of, and obviously there there could be a point that you, you can make that says, okay, if it's just if if we take the human side of it, the human understanding of it, of like just receiving something that's handed down and just doing it because that's the way we've always done it. Obviously, that's not a logical uh, conclusion or decision to make, and that that's that's not befitting of our intelligence as rational creatures. So there, there there's definitely something to be wary of there, but it's also a straw man. It's a caricature of what, what sacred tradition is. And so, you know, and, and we see that even beyond that, that it's, it's actually in scripture, like, and it's all over the new Testament. Um, let it, we'll even leave aside the old Testament, but, um, just even in the new Testament, and I'm not going to start quoting all these uh, verses, but in first Corinthians, we see a beautiful, uh, principle at work here. And, you know, it's, it's a letter where St. Paul's correcting, um, he's teaching, right? And, he's, right? and in a portion of the letter, he's correcting the Corinthians because they've strayed from some principles, some teachings that he's handed on to them, right? Right? And St. Paul speaks to them as the, as the traditions uh, that he's handed on to them, right? Especially um, in First First Corinthians ten fourteen and sixteen, he says, "Therefore, my beloved, shun the worship of idols. I speak as a sensible man. Judge for yourselves what I say." The cup of blessing which we bless is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread which we break is it not a participation in the body of Christ? And he says, "Be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions, even as I have delivered them to you." And it's not to just cherry pick a word "tradition" and, and highlight it, but he's he's uh, echoing something really beautiful, and it's this imitation, this, this idea of, you know, I'm of of Christ and. Uh, I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions, right? I delivered these to you. And if he did not deliver these traditions orally, there'd, there'd be no letter. There'd be no way that he can commend them or rebuke them as he does later for straying from these traditions, right? Right. And so there's this, it's not that it's made up or an addendum to the Bible or something. This is, the Holy Spirit is working through this. The Holy Spirit is enabling St. Paul and the apostles to transmit the fullness of the truth to the people of God. Um, so that they can actually live in the truth, not just learn it and keep it an intellectual endeavor, something that they can come back to the Greek philosophers with or the Stoics or whatever, whoever group of intellectuals around the time to kind of uh, submit to their intellect, a new doctrine, if you will. Right. This is a lived 
uh, it's a lived, um, breathed in uh, form of life that, that is not apart from an actual contact with the apostles. And this is a beautiful thing. Um, and I'll just wrap it up real quick with 1 Corinthians 11. Um, if you go to 11, 23 to 26, he writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. And he's, he's uh, talking about the, the Eucharist. That the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also the cup after this supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we see that in, in the very, in, in 11.23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. So this, this transmission that he leaves to them is from the Lord. It's not man-made. It's not something, here's the divine principle of tradition that alive in the scriptures, right? This, this idea that St. Paul is correcting them because they're deviating not from only his words that he handed down to them, but the divinely ordained words that he handed down to his people uh, in right. the Church of Corinth. So we see this beautiful principle. It's in the Bible. It's not something we're making up. It's not an addendum to Holy Scripture. It is uh, the living Word of God, right, being transmitted through the Church right. from generation to generation. It's a living thing. We see it in the liturgy, right? We see it in the Eucharist. We see it in the sacramental life of the Church. Uh, we see it in the creeds and the dogmas. These are not things that just kind of accumulate and grow up like accretions around a beautiful plant, and we got to get through the vines and the ivy to find this beautiful rose. No, this is a part of the rose itself. It's part of the beauty, and without it, uh, you know, the truth is not um, entirely set free in the Holy Spirit, right? This is this is Jesus Christ promised us that uh, through tradition and through Scripture, we can receive the divinely revealed Word of God, right? And that, Jesus Christ and His Church. And I, you, you made me think of, and I went back and found it in, in the Last Supper, Jesus says something that actually points to the fact. I mean, he could have dictated everything he wanted, right? He could have written it all mm-hmm. down. But he right. says, I'm going, you know, I, I've, I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. And then he points, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will speak on his own authority. So Jesus will have already left the Holy Spirit's going to come and going to be talking through them things that they don't, that Jesus is not even delivering to them before. So that he's already pointing to the fact that there's going to be this spoken word guided by the Holy Spirit. That's what he says in, in John 16 Mm -hmm. at the last supper. So he's already pointing to the fact that this idea of a tradition that is divinely inspired is critical to the Mm -hmm. way he's going to spread everything. Uh, absolutely. And it's this beautiful reality that it, it, it endures. It, it's not, it's not, he'll always be with us. And, you know, it's something the apostles are like, how can this, how can this be, you know, and the spirit reveals it to them. Um, but, but the reality is, is uh, it's our, you know, way in to the beautiful, you know, divinely revealed word of God, right? This idea that, you know, our way in is through, the church and with the church, uh, because the church is the body of Christ, guided by the Holy Spirit uh, through the revealed word, which is in scripture and tradition. And as that tradition is lived out, the sacraments, like I said, these beautiful um, guarantees of God's living presence, right? Yes. His grace. And if we lose sight of this for an instant, if we be, if it becomes an apologetic that we need to, I mean, I'm, I'm not bashing apologetics or anything like that, obviously, but if it becomes just another uh, you know, a thing that we use to, you know, dis- distinguish ourselves from other Christians or whatever. I feel like, um, while it may-, may be the case that distinctions need to be made, uh, it's also one of the greatest blessings and promises, right? Right, that Jesus Christ left for us, and that's so that's sacred tradition in a in a maybe not even in a, a nutshell, but it's it's at least a a swing at it. Um, right, and I- we can at least say that that's not necessarily only what we're talking about here. That's an aspect of tradition that is the tradition, but we're also going to talk about traditions in a family and how they relate to the tradition. And and some of it is, is again, I think important talking about this idea that you're talking about is living, is living it out, is that the reason it exists is for it to be lived out so that St. Paul can say, be imitators of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not just for St. Paul. So, I mean, getting maybe to, I don't even know if you wanted to get to this point yet, but as parents, mm-hmm. 
we should be able to say to the extent that we've that we follow that we're living out this word and they can look at us and that we are um living letters so to speak living Mm -hmm. words that are that are speaking through our words and actions to our children that's how it's passed on it's not merely absolutely you know absolutely it's in it's incarnational it's punchable it's something that's not just you know two plus two equals four or it's not just knowing something in your head it's 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 translating that right and we and we see when we see the transmission let's say of of you know um like the laying on of hands right there's something deeply like physical and sacramental and incarnational about it right that this idea of it's not an airy abstract thing like and and this gets to the point of the human side of it is that we need traditions like we will necessarily choose traditions to grow up in and if yes. and if there's a vacuum if there's if there's an empty space where um you haven't been um, uh, if traditions haven't been cultivated in your home or in your life or in your family, you'll find some traditions to to be a part of. Why? Because it's part of who we are as human beings to seek to understand our identity, right? And when we find our identity in Jesus Christ, it, it, it includes the church and the church's tradition, right? The the living lived out tradition of the church, but it also is something that um, touches us because. You know, as we identify things, let's take like a nation, like the U.S., like the American traditions, right? A nation, or Texas, or Texas A&M, or even Longhorns, sorry, that is. You know? But say like these, these traditions, they actually help color our identity, right? These, like we identify as Americans when we sing the Star Spangled Banner or something, right? So this idea of having an art form or a song that helps you identify, like I'm a part of a people, right? We're relational beings. We, right. we need to be a part of a people and traditions help us to identify and recognize uh, the people to whom we belong. Yes. And so like, you know, whether it's uh, like saying sacred traditions in one end and then these human traditions, these nations, these, these uh, states, these cities, these neighborhoods and families, what is it that, that is about, what, what is it that helps us uh, give our children something to identify with? Like, what do we do as a family? that they say, I'm part of this people, right? Because we all come from a great past. Right. We have a great heritage. And so there might be a physical, tangible object like an heirloom. And that's something that we intentionally hand on here. Daughter, this is your grandmother's wedding ring. Um, It has great value. Hold on to it, cherish it. Maybe you use it on your wedding day, whatever, right? right? And there's a direct handing over. And the daughter might say, wow, this has great value, this gift. It came from my grandmother, and I'm going to cherish it and hold on to it and protect it. Well, the same goes for things that are indirectly given, like things that they might not necessarily say, I received this from my dad or my mom because it was a gift to me, and I have to protect it and cherish it. But nonetheless, the things that we hand on to our children, um, the way we, we speak, the way we enjoy our free time, the way we celebrate birthdays uh, or holidays, these things... They, they, they actually carry great weight and value for a person, always. And yep. so we can't uh, minimize the, the role of things that don't need to be so contrived, right? They don't have to be the, the gem that your grandmother, you know, has guarded with her life, and now it's being handed on to you and guarded with your life. It doesn't have to be that big of a story. And yet there's a givenness tradi- tradition that is actually part of who we are as creatures as well, right? Like we're meant to receive, we are dependent on our creator and our family is one of the first places where we learn how to receive from people we trust, mm-hmm. right? Without necessarily perceiving it as the greatest of value, but it is a value to us and becomes a more value to us as we reflect on it and, and try to imitate them in our own lives. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Uh, it puts uh, family life in my family in a little interesting perspective um my two oldest boys and and my three-year-old andrew too to some extent but certainly the oldest two um they are getting they are getting rooted in some tradition right now and that is that they are both very very interested in playing gi joes with my old my G.I. Joe figures. 
And yep. they're reading some of the, the comic books because I've kept my yeah. comic book collection. Wow. Yeah. And That's awesome. That is, and then my oldest boy, he's starting to learn how to play um, a board game that I loved growing up. And so you root your kids in these tradition and this, just the very idea of wanting to live a life in connection with the past and in connection mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the, a life that's informed by tradition mm-hmm. in very simple ways and in very mundane ways. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, look at your, look at your life, look at your family life and you're going to find, you're going to find a whole host of kind of traditions that you're rooting your kids in without maybe even yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. And right. la- last idea, what's really fascinating about the, um, the play with, with my boys right now is that um, I am, I am like the keeper of all knowledge. Like, you know, they yeah. come, they yeah. come to me to ask me <laughs> questions about the different right. characters and the different yes. vehicles and, why is you know where did where did you know sort of the backstory of uh, so it's yeah. it's fascinating and that's yeah. that's exactly what happens in in human communities that are yes um, formed by tradition and I love that you said and it, it points to I think something true about Catholicism that humans need tradition there is something almost a part of the natural law you might say. That yeah, rec- that is that is tradition, and even the communist societies of the 20th century yep. that were bent on destroying all that had come before them and saying this is year zero, you know, we're starting over. What happened in those societies is they they developed traditions. They had their you know pantheon of heroes. They had their sacred books. They had their certain days that they kept and yeah. honored with. Yep. Um, you know, parades and d- different rituals, and it yeah. is an inevitable mark of human life. Yes, and it, I, I love. Go ahead, Trey. You want to... Well, no, I was, I was just going to say this is very simplistic because I, I, I was thinking of two things that my kids know came from. One, my mom taught all of her boys how to shake hands, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and she judged every man by how they shook. Her hand. I mean, like mm-hmm. I, I remember her saying, "Don't like him." That's a limp why, one. Why? You know, yeah. just, <laughs> don't. I mean, and and so my boys to this day are like that. The the second thing is, my mom said, "You open doors for ladies." She would. Mm-hmm. She, she. I didn't have four boys to ever open a door in my life. So I mean, yeah. there were times we ran out to go to mass, and we were all in there, and mom was sitting outside, and dad like go hey one of you on the right there could you get out there and open the door for your mother <laughs> but the, but i was thinking those are simple traditions that communicate Beautiful. something honoring a parent yeah. or or mm-hmm. honoring another person looking them in the eye you know mom would practice with me how do you grab mm-hmm. the hand your eyes meet the eyes and yep. you recognize them and mm-hmm. so i anyway it could be that simple as a tradition yeah. but it's communicating something more than just the simple that's the thing, right? That's it. It's that it's that communicative capacity for tradition, and and it, like you guys both mentioned that it could be something that's not you know this huge I don't know effort to like be like all right guys I'm gonna link you to the past, but the reality is like that's huge. What you said that is 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 linking to the past because this is precisely the point. Like it like if we just approach what's going on now um, with with arguments, right? Our kids are going to get to a point where they're going to say, or and even people around us, like, okay, I like I'm tired of arguing. I just want to be, I just want to live my life, whatever. And it could be seen, it can seem like you're always against something. But the reality is that when you can show them that there's value in the past and there's something that is beautiful and mysterious, but also present, right? Bringing the present into the past, this has a lot to do with the memory. Like a person's memory spans their lifetime, and they have experiences and and a background and things like this. But what if you allow a people's memory to color your own? Like you become a part of a people's heritage. Absolutely. And there's ways that we can do this as Catholics um, particularly, but even like with G.I. Joe and, 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 and showing your kids a game that you loved that they can then begin to cultivate a love for. It becomes something where it kind of 
does the argument for you, right? Obviously, there are things of value that are coming from the past, right? There are things that, though, uh, people might say, oh, we've already this progressive idea of like, oh, we always supersede what has come before. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just leave it in the in behind because it's highly, we're, it's highly suspicious. We're highly suspicious of it because it obviously didn't work out enough and now it needs to change. And it's not to say that change doesn't happen and change can't, is always bad, but it is to say that just showing our kids, instead of telling them, it's like that literary principle, like show, don't tell. We're showing them that in, by drawing close to history or drawing close to a time before your own, right? There's this, there's this great wealth there. And it can be something that we gather around and rally around and reap the benefit of. And it's something we can start to become grateful for. And in, in, in inspiring that gratitude and that humility at the same time that, hey, maybe we're, we have the Internet now. So, you know, but back then they also had these good things. Back then they had um, um, these values that informed their growth as a, yeah. as a people, kept them close. You know, I talked to my kids about, you know, the intergenerational families, right? This is a way that the grandmother and grandparents would, would pass down to the grandchildren and, and span over a couple of generations to, to show them what life was like when they were young. You know, this, this beautiful transmission of knowledge and wisdom, right? Um, that is something that just, if we can spark the interest in it, if we could just show them that if you draw close to that fire, you might get a little warm, you know? That there's something there that's alive and it's not just a bunch of dead people that have done things wrong and could have done them better now we have a chance to do them better than they did there's actually something of value for them to teach us for us to receive from them yeah i, I mean i we <laughs> i'm 54 getting more nostalgic the older i get but we went and visited a place that i grew up going to i hadn't been in 13 years and it had been a long time since my kids i walked up i had when I was 10, I chopped down a tree. I wasn't supposed to. My grandfather just planted it. <laughs> and, and I tell the story. I cannot tell a lie. The tree. Well, I chopped, well, he gave me an ax to help some chap. Something I was like being proactive, which is why I tell Stephanie, yeah, which right. is why I hesitate to be proactive because, because what I heard was, you know, what in the H are you doing boy from the yelling down? I'm like, I'm cutting down this tree trying to save the yeah. front of the, well, that tree's now, split into four arms and is about 50 feet tall. And, wow. and to, to, to tell that story to my kids and say that mm -hmm. I, that I cut that down when I was 10 and to get them a feel for who my grandfather was to get mm -hmm. him say, look, even if you mess something up, it actually is prettier than the other tree I didn't cut down, which was planted at the same yeah. time. It's actually bigger than that. I mean, there's so many things to teach there and it's yeah. so great to share and connect them to somebody they never met. And mm, even and even carrying Go it beyond ahead. that, I think it's it's important to say as a Catholic, I can't wait till you get to meet him someday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to talking about mm -hmm. him as just he's he's somewhere in the past. That, right. that 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 we're remembering him so that you'll actually maybe recognize him when you see him. Mm one day it's beautiful so i i, I just yeah. think those are all opportunities uh, little ways to do it yeah and if you're just joining wow. us we're talking to adam Earhart, a, a frequent contributor and guest here on the mystery of parenthood about the importance of of tradition in family life and yeah i can't agree more with trey uh my father did such an outstanding job of telling stories about yes. his grandparents his aunts and uncles the Italian community that he came from in Denver. Uh, I mean, I felt like those people were living, breathing exactly. people and they had, they had, you know, died maybe 15, 20 years before I had heard, I was hearing those stories. My kids would I'd even, never met them. My kids will even yeah. send, I've met them before, right? I'm like, no, you were, you weren't even born yeah. when, yeah. but they've yeah. heard it enough to where you, to where you do that. But I think it is, it's part of one, it's one of the seven, <laughs> Secrets, yes, it to, is to being parent is tell stories, yes. tell stories, yes, you know. I think that's so beautiful. I think and tell guys, stories, even if you don't think you're telling it exactly perfectly or you don't think yourself right of a good as a good storyteller, still tell those stories as it's best important. you can. You don't need footnotes, you don't need footnotes, but it, but the, <laughs> the reality, like, is it something that's so beautiful here is that stories are again, we're, we're touching on like the 
the natural kind of the things that we do naturally as human beings is stories, the share, sharing great stories. And my grandmother, my grandmother was really good at this. And uh, the rest of my family was kind of quiet, you know, on my dad's side, at least not the Italian side so much, but the, my dad's <laughs> That's side shocking. was more like, you know, yeah, yeah, shocking. <laughs> but my dad's side was more kind of like reserved and, you know, but my grandmother would always talk about her father and growing up during the depression and things mm-hmm, like this. Mm-hmm. And when she passed, she passed the uh, last December, God bless her soul. And, yep. uh, I, I was uh, given the great honor of speaking at, at her the service. Oh my. And, um, that was, that was the thing that I, I wanted to bring home there is that, you know, really like, honestly, if we just sit with like, my grandma would talk about a story about how her father taught her how to read like on her lap. Right. Mm. And that before she even entered a classroom, she knew how to like pick, pick apart the letters and how the teacher was astonished. And she would just like light up, you know? And I, I remember thinking like, wow, like, I, I know that I'm not, you know, enti- I can't entirely relate to my grandmother because obviously the differences, but um, I can just really like, she loves her dad. Like she's an older, elderly woman and she's still is a child in that remembrance, right? Mm-hmm. I could see on her face this, this, yes. this pride and this, this knowing that she's loved by her father, right? And here's another key of this is, you know, our stories are not meant to be buried with us, right? They're not. They're not meant to be buried with us. And when we live these things, when we hear these stories from others, it, it, it should cause us, hopefully, a, a little bit of self-reflection and self-awareness and recollection that we can actually begin to, to like, like your story of the tree, Trey, and like, like what can that mean when it comes to God's story for your life? You know, right. um, even your attempt to, to do the right thing sometimes doesn't always add up to being the right thing. And yet, there. with God's grace, it can become this beautiful um, healthy, strong tree, right? There's all these beautiful values that can be transmitted through stories, through experiences, and God forbid that that we, you know, have tight lips and we keep our stories to ourselves or we don't reflect on them because, you know, they can really transform our lives and others around us, especially our children who are just dying to hear these stories. And, and you know? I, I know, and the thing is, the cool thing is, is just like any of us can probably remember stories you heard when you ran into somebody that you saw. I mean, there's a guy that tells a story when we get together once a year, and we always tell that story because we want to hear it again. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, we know the story, mm-hmm. but we're still like, oh, yeah. we're going to tell it again. And mm-hmm. and there's something about human. And and as I'm looking at the Bible here, particularly the Old Testament, God's revealed Himself through people sharing stories about mm-hmm. what's God done and who are these people. So there is a sense in which if we're to mimic God, if we're meant to do mm-hmm. something like him, then we should be sharing our stories, particularly God, those that beautiful. include that include God's intervention in our lives. or that Because yeah, oftentimes you absolutely. can't see it until you look back. And I think it's important right. to tell your kids right. that too, that you tell them, look, yeah. I didn't recognize him in this moment, but I can look back and see that if this hadn't happened, you know, you can interpret it a little bit. Yeah. And that helps them recognize that, okay, well, maybe with this bad thing happened, that there's that's not the end of the story. Right. Because right. they've heard something different, maybe not the exact same thing. But I, that's what that's, you want to do. Go ahead. And that's that's a beautiful point because there's two things I want to, like, touch on there is once, like, the actual, like, physical aspect of telling the story, like the story in the voice, in the eyes, and the way you gesticulate, you know, all these beautiful things that come across, that leap off of a human being, right, to another right. human being. As opposed to just you know bouncing off the page, like how have we lost much of that right in this yeah. this oral uh, tradition of storytelling or passing down stories? And that'd be a great, beautiful thing way to start. Maybe reading with your children or like trying to actually just start conversations about things that um, were in the past. But also a second thing was just this remembrance, this 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 idea that there is something there, right? God, the, the God's presence throughout my whole life. It comes from this understanding of this trust in God that He's been present with me. And never abandoned me, never will abandon me. And so even in the, the things that I once thought might have been my lowest point, or it doesn't have to always be that if you have young children, maybe just a silly incident that led right. to something, whatever. Now you can actually recover that. And But the thing is, we don't do it alone, right? This beautiful idea of like, St. Augustine talks about this in the Confessions, is like this idea of like, God is our teacher in our memory. He teaches us, he guides us, mm-hmm. right? So that we can actually recall all the beauty that is there, all the, all of his presence in there, in those moments that are, that seem to be fleeting or seem to just uh, pass before us, uh, so ephemeral. And yet there's, there's a, there's a presence, there's an eternal presence there. 
And in as much as we're able to go to the teacher, go to Jesus Christ, to be guided into this, you know, our stories, they, they come alive, they come to life. And this beautiful thing, again, the underline this aspect of like, in receiving a story, there's still a great principle there. It's something that we can rejoice in, and it's that sitting at the feet of others mm-hmm. and receiving something they have to give of value to us. And it's not because it's something useful that we're going to use, and, you know, it's not utilitarian any, by any means. Yeah. And yet it's of it's of this value because why it helps us draw closer to our own identity. Mm-hmm. It helps us recognize like I come from that stock of people. Mm-hmm. And so this is like a family's lineage, right? And it's limited. It's human, but yet it, you know, if the family's faithful and the family you know grows in the Lord and loves it, it's going to be able to transmit values through a personal encounter, through personal relationships. Through through trial and error, sometimes through right. through uh, good times and bad times, through funny times, you know, it becomes uh, human. And, and again, like I, just to kind of caveat or to to go into another area here, like this is like one of those aspects of like being able to transmit the tradition to our kids. I think is is the stories of the saints, right? Like Thaddeus, you mentioned yes. heroes and having this ability to tell stories of our people, right? right. And Absolutely, be able to share that and the saints. This is where it comes to life, really, for us uh, in so many ways. And I think the Romanski Thaddeus, you and Robin, you do an excellent job of allowing the lives of the saints to really like, permeate your existence as a family and how you celebrate life together and celebrate one another. Can you talk about that a little bit, maybe? I'd, I would love to hear more about that and have others hear about that a little bit. Well, I think it starts with um, I, as a as a boy and a young person growing up in my faith, I always really hung on to the, the saints. The fact that we venerated saints, I thought that was such a big deal. I was interested in history from the youngest age, so the saints are, that, that's, that's historical. They're, they're history. They lived in time. They're, they're um, mm. a part of different historical ages, you know, so that always caught my my attention, or maybe the saints fed my love for history. It's hard to say. It's probably a feedback mm. between the two. Mm. And I, I always loved that we had that, um, I thought that was a, a real strength of our being Catholic. I, I felt it was kind of defining as a, a Catholic. It was something that seemed to set me apart from other um, types of people that I encountered as I, as I grew up. Um, so I always just, I loved reading saint stories as a kid. Um, I got very interested in all of the the great Jesuit saints as I went to a, a Jesuit high school, and that, that just continued on through college and, and afterwards. And so when my wife and I, we started our family, um, we kind of dove into that as a something that we were going to use to build the Catholic culture in our home and our family. And mm. she really just <laughs> right. took it to such a, such a neat level. And, uh, this is where, you know, technology is, um, it can be used for good or evil purposes. Mm-hmm. It's not, not Absolutely. inherently good or evil. Um, yeah. so she, with the explosion of, um, Catholic liturgical, calendars on the on the uh, internet and different people's blogs uh, mm-hmm. about the kinds of things that they do on uh, different feast days and the access to you know older um, books about Catholic feast day traditions um, right. yeah. she just really got just continually has grown this um, this kind of matrix of different foods for a particular saint's feast yeah. day, um, yeah. different um, prayers, um, having the kids, you know, color um, pictures of the saints. Um, mm-hmm. And again, she's not the first one to do this, obviously, but I mean, it's just, it's something that, that my wife has really, really um, taken on and made something central and important. And, and, uh, at this point in time, with the oldest one being, you know, eleven, there's a lot of years under the under the bridge now, and mm-hmm. you know, 
they every Divine Mercy Sunday comes around. It's oh, let's it's we're gonna have Divine Mercy Sundays right. today, <laughs> and it's yeah. a special it's a special treat. Yeah. And yeah, um, other that's one that just leaps to mind um, off the top of my head. But just other foods and other ways of marking the, the saints' feast days and the changes in the liturgical calendar. And you know they look forward to. Oh, it's the it's the octave of Easter, and so um, this this Friday of the octave, we don't we don't have to fast from from meat. We get to eat meat, and they get excited about that. And you know, we try to have some kind of rich dessert or food. You know, every one of those days of the octave of Easter, and really, um, really celebrate that and make that a part of their life. So that's that's just a couple of yeah. examples of what we do. Uh, I know I know Trey can speak to what. Stephanie and he have done th- through their years too, but I think it um, it it just it's part of that incarn- incarnational aspect of our Catholic mm-hmm. faith that it makes it tangible, tasteable, mm-hmm. yeah, touchable, yeah. punchable. Yes, as much Cele- professor you can celebrate it. Yeah, you could actually celebrate. It. Yeah, and that and that's like a, the the thing is is that the great thing about saints is is and everybody who's listening has anything is you listen to their stories there's some you're drawn to and there's others that don't fit so the mm-hmm. more you expose them mm-hmm. oh yeah that's that one and then i think it's important to recognize that as you build a family that we're part of a bigger family mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. the body of christ which mm-hmm. is the church yep. and so we're all connected so those are like older brothers and older sisters mm-hmm. that we're learning about even though they don't have mm-hmm. the cash and name mm-hmm. Therese of Lisieux is central to yes. my spirituality, yes. to who yes. I love, all that. And you're just passing that on. And I have some kids yeah. that say, say I kind of like Therese, but I really like Catherine of Siena or right. whatever. Right. I'm not really drawn. So, and it's like, oh, that's fine. That's your sister too. So, Yesterday we were in the hospital room and my 11-year-old son, he was asking Robin and me when we, when we kind of knew that we were going to have a, a baby. Like what, what he was trying to drive at was when did we think we conceived her? Mm-hmm. But he said, when did you know that, you know, there was the baby coming? And so we told him we thought it was probably like November or sometime. So he flipped open Robin's planner that has a, has, <laughs> you know, every month that has the major feast days listed out in it. And he's looking through and he's thinking, okay, so, yes, you know, these are the, the big saints and here's the female saints that are, we're in November because he's trying to help wow, us figure beautiful. out the, the name yeah. for the baby. And that's, that's, that's cool. his first instinct is to think, you know, saints names and it should be connected to, to something tangible in the, the little young life of this child. Well, that child didn't have much that. to go off that's of, great. but there's, when there's its life there. began, literally, maybe that's yeah. something good to connect to. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so funny because usually people say what day was the child born, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the day. But he, I think he's he's actually closer to to uh, the, that's such a beautiful insight on his part. Well, you know, Michael's yeah. definitely a, a precocious young man. He's a, yeah, he is very intelligent. And, and name so days are a big thing in our family. You know, they yeah we yeah. we have the kids pay attention to who are the saints that have the same first name, middle name as they do, and. When those yeah, come around, absolutely. we try to do something special on on those days. Yeah, um, and and to to encourage, um, you know, th- this idea of like taking upon yourself, obviously a, pa- a patron saint, but we say like one of our kids, uh, Melody, really loves art, like drawing and art, you know. Mm-hmm. So which saint kind of can be someone that she she asks for intercession to to achieve those goals or to use those goals toward uh, good ends, you know, and all these beautiful things like. One of the things uh, before I came back to the church. Um, hey, and, and Adam, and, before you get rolling with this last story, we've got about yeah. three minutes. So okay. just so you know, um, please, please go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, um, so before I came back to the church, um, there was one experience I had, and I wasn't definitely wasn't uh, living a lifestyle that was uh, real, really uh, good or, or anything holy or anything like that. But I was uh, writing, and I was thinking a lot about you know, some life issues and things. And one one of the things that really dawned on me was I had a distant memory of my grandfather and it became clear to me um, in that moment that, you know, even though we, we can really feel alone and isolated, and I think this is going to the point of like modern families right now, the family right now in the modern age, 
this idea of individualism or, you know, you're self-made and you got to make and produce and, you know, what school are you going to end up in and all these things that can be challenging. The reality is, is that um, we're not, we're, we're never alone. We're not alone. Right. And this idea of like, if we can help uh, our children and our family see past the, the uh, at least perceived uh, limitations that are placed upon us by expectations that are coming from elsewhere, it's not from the church, but from, you know, whatever. Um, we can really help them draw close to, a, like, like Trey said, like you said, that is a, a wider group of people. Be a part of a people, a part of, so you know you belong. You know, you don't have to feel like, oh, where do I belong? You know, you know where you belong. You know, you come from a people and you have a, an identity and they know your name and they rejoice in you, right? And this this really beautiful reality that, you know, we can help our our children draw near through stories, through games that we pass on through memories, through other people in their family, um, through the national identity and things that we can really rally around and celebrate. And Adam, this has been, Catholic this has been fantastic. I think you've really hit a rich vein of conversation. We'll, we'll have you back next time to talk about, um, the thought of Edward Schills and how this fits in, but let's let Trey yeah. wrap it up today with our, our Absolutely. memory verse. And thank you again. Thank you. Will. We're gonna find it's gonna be hold fast to the traditions, whether you receive oral or written, which we'll we'll put up on the website. But we're drawing close here, so um, remember. Oh, we got a minute. All right. Um, but remember that to do build traditions at your house um, and pass them on, and don't be afraid to share your family. So anyway, remember, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. He will. God bless. i uh-huh.